Do you want to find solutions that help teams make better decisions, solve problems faster and free their creative minds to come up with smarter solutions? There's a workshop for that. Bonjour, I'm Nati Ravez and I'm delighted to welcome to this show facilitators and experts who share their knowledge and experience of everything you need to know in the world of facilitation, giving you tips and tools for leading groups, sparking collaboration and driving innovation. Thank you for tuning in and let's go. Hello everyone and thank you for joining me for this final episode of 2023. It's amazing how quickly the year has flown by. 30 episodes recorded from Thailand, Singapore, Bali, Malaysia, France and Germany as I've been traveling for most of the year. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much for your comments, your encouragement, your ideas for new topics or new guests. It was really a beautiful year with this podcast. In the last episode, I announced Matthias Lenson, who should have been with me for this last episode of the year. But unfortunately, we couldn't make it. It was not possible. So Matthias will join me at the beginning of the year 2024. For today, we have a great guest. His name is Tobias Denehi. He is the head of people experience at Siemens headquarters in Munich. We met two months ago. There, he has multiple hats since he's not only someone working at Siemens, he's also a songwriter and a story architect. I hope you will enjoy this episode, this conversation about stories and experiences. Let's go! Hello, hello, hello! We are live and I have a great topic today for you, dear facilitators. Uh, we will talk about stories and experiences. And before I introduce my guest of the day, I would like to tell you the story about how we both met. Uh, since in October and November, I facilitated different meetups between delegations of peoples from the Bank of Indonesia with German known companies with a strong, innovative and human-centric culture. Um, they just wanted to learn how about European companies foster this culture to get more innovative and adaptive. And one of the company we visit was Siemens. And this is where I met our guest of the day, Tobias Denehi or Denehi. I don't know how to tell it. Denehi. Denehi. <laughs> You are the head of people experience at Siemens and you made such a great talk and uh, I found it very sympathetic that you welcome us with a Balinese shirt. <laughs> Since a job doesn't define a person, you I discovered that you are also a singer-songwriter on stage and storyteller at heart, so... We talked and I saw this opportunity to invite you here on the podcast and we will talk about stories and experiences. Hello, Tobias. How are you? Hello. Thank you for inviting me. I'm fine uh, and uh, looking forward to the conversation with you. Yeah. And before we delve into our topic, uh, I would really like you to tell us 
Yeah, a little bit of your background, your journey. Um, you actually mentioned just now how we met already shows a little um, that two two people, two artists that I have spent a lot of time with or with their work uh, and have influenced me uh, also fit quite well into my journey. Uh, one of them is Bob Dylan. Uh, yeah. And he basically, on his last album, he quoted Walt Whitman, but there's a song which says, uh, which, uh, which is called, I contain multitudes. Uh -huh. That's kind of also what I see for myself. As you said, I'm not one person. I don't have a title at Siemens and this defines me. So I'm, I'm, I'm many things. Um, I'm singer songwriter. As you said, I love stories. I studied, uh, journalism and, and, and literature many years back. Uh, worked in the PR industry for a long time in marketing and communication. So kind of the underlying stories of, of uh, corporations has always also been one of my topics. Um, and the, the crab actually comes from Günther Grass, whom um, you might know, the um, German author who already unfortunately passed away, um, author of the tin drum. And there's one book where he kind of uh, recalls his memories as well. And it's called Im Krebsgang. It's kind of like in the crab walk. And he talks about history not being linear and, you know, things happening in the way that we actually learn in school. But, you know, it's like the crab walking to the side and, you know, getting to the same place in the end, but seeing different things by not going straight on. Or that's for me, kind of my career path has not been this, oh, I start at the bottom and I go up. But it's more the interesting way of crab walking to the side and, um, you know, being a journalist, being a PR guy, being a writer here. And then that's where um, where we met. Uh, I also did, uh, before I joined uh, the HR or PO organization at Siemens, I was working in government affairs for four or five years, responsible for Asia, spent some time there and also in Indonesia, in Jakarta. And mm -hmm. the, there's a story behind the shirt I wore for that delegation you had, which uh, I had to buy because my suitcase got lost in Jakarta. and. And I was educated that this is something normal people wear at also official occasions. And it really helped me get to know people much better and, uh, and their mentality and story just by wearing, wearing a shirt. <laughs> and also you could see at the event that we met that um, people recognized it and uh, it already, you know, opened up uh, the stage for a good conversation. Yeah. It gave uh, a little touch of, uh of uh yeah binding and catching the the attentions of the of the people from the start so it's it yeah, was very cool. nice <laughs> so you wear multiple hats um you as you said head of people experience singer songwriter corporate story architect and also a little bit of workshop designer And for all these incarnations, the theme of stories and experiences seems to be playing a major role. Why is this and how do you think that this impacts individuals and organizations? Um, it also took me a while in my crap work <laughs> to, to <laughs> understand that everything is basically connected to stories, to, you know, stories are what make us what we are, the things we experience every day, the memories we have and so on as human beings. And, and the same is true if you're an employer or if you're a customer, whatever, you just, you know, experience things with, With, with others and, and this does something to you. And in the end, these are the stories you tell others. So I think there's a, there's a story is kind of the underlying theme that, that humans have. And, but it's something that corporations have took them a long time to acknowledge this, um, that, that, you know, people, 
people think and feel in stories and that's how you can uh, also uh, reach them and the different paths i have on incorporate this in a you know in a very i think stringent way um so i mean one hat that i have is I'm a father and I'm a husband and in, in family life, there's many, many stories, <laughs> experiences you make, which make up basically uh, family traditions and memories and so on. Of course, being a singer and songwriter, stories, are, songs are stories. That's basically what kind of influences, you know, things you see happening to somebody else, things that happen to you and you kind of bring it into verse and yeah, try to make a song out of it. Um, but then also the, the jobs we do are, you know, the stories and experiences uh, that, that we have for us individually, but also for an organization. I feel that this is something where um, we need to understand much better what is happening to our people individually and emotionally. Be it so for my communications and marketing past, it's understanding your target group, yeah, the customer, and you know how how they are, what they are interested in, and how they would like to, you know hear a story or whatever so it doesn't mean that's also something and we'll get to that in a second probably i always told um told people in, in workshops which i did for for many years as a as a storytelling coach if you want um that it's it's not about always telling fluffy nice stories you know uh, it's always you know about knowing when to tell which part of the story when do you need facts when do you need more emotions but it's about listening to others it's about understanding what makes them tick, what they're interested in. So that's kind of the communication part. And in the end, what I do now, uh, what I'm responsible for at Siemens now as the head of people experience is to try to establish methodologies of listening to our people. So through surveys and workshops and, and, and so on to really understand what is driving them, you know, what experiences are they having every day, which makes them happy, which makes them frustrated. And then in the end, lead to more or less engagement, yeah, which you can also see then in engagement surveys as a result of experiences. And so that's kind of a, um, um, an infrastructure, if you want, of listening that I've started to build up uh, at Siemens and um, that actually helps us over time gather data, if you want, in these responses and to see, you know, what, what makes our people tick and where do we maybe need to act in order to um, make their everyday lives at work uh, better than, than they are. Um, that's kind of what, where also, I mean, but what you, if you work for a company, what happens every day to you is something that you then in the end tell your friends, tell your families, tell other colleagues about. So the stories you tell and we just need to do our best to create positive stories to make people say it's really great to work here or I love this product. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, um, this is, just the best you can do and um uh, so so in, in the hr environment it's more like creating an environment for experiences and stories to evolve and in communications uh, it's, it's more you know telling stories about yourself or what you can do uh, that actually resonates with people that they, they believe you and yeah, you were talking about listening to the people. I can remember this was one of the big words you had on your slides. Can you tell me a little bit which action you implemented to more listen to the people and what kind of data you get out from this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's completely, you know, very many different ways of listening to your people. One is very immediate of, you know, talking to people, colleagues, having conversations. 
as leaders talking to your team and listening and so on. But that's, that's, you know, individual data gathering, if you want, which is lost for the organization. So it's kind of, yeah, you have conversations and yeah, you talk and that's important. But if you look at it from an organizational perspective, you need to find a way to gather data and then maybe, you know, for, for a certain period of time and really read something into it and not maybe uh, only solve individual problems as you would maybe as a leader, but maybe more systemic issues that people are mentioning more often. So what we uh, also way before uh, the time when I joined, which was roughly three years ago, um, we had and we still have installed a kind of the classical engagement survey, mm-hmm. which many, most companies probably have. Some do it once a year, some do it, well, short snippets once a week or a month, or some do it twice a year, so we do it twice a year. It's kind of this big engagement driver topics that are asked the organization. It's like workload, it's inclusion, diversity, and, you know, dialogue with your team. So kind of the big topics that are important for an organization to, to grow. Um, uh, and so that's what we've been doing anyway. But you kind of get a twice a year a rough feeling of where issues could be. But you don't really get down to the, actually, you know, the nuts and bolts yeah. of everyday experiences, what actually, you know, results, what, what's the kind of the root cause for these, uh, this engagement. So basically what I as uh, responsible for the experience measurement have been uh, installing with, with the team here in the last two, two and a half years is um, an additional survey. So in the end, it's surveys. So the main thing that we do currently is surveys. And um, so we try to understand, you know, the, the the journey that our people are having with us from beginning to end from their perspective. So it's kind of the moments that matter idea, which we didn't invent, which is very common in the HR industry to say, okay, there are contexts within different journey stages like, you know, recruiting, onboarding, offboarding, or, you know, working for, for, for your company that have a significant effect on satisfaction and on your engagement. And these are the moments that we focus on. And then we really do very targeted short surveys, which we send out to our people as close as possible to moments of interaction mm-hmm. in these, mm-hmm. in these, you know, in these moments that matter. One example is, which is easy to understand always is, Within your onboarding, having your first day is certainly the moment that matters. You start a new company, it's all new and whatever. How am I being received? You know, do I get my work equipment? Anything that, that matters there. So basically we ask how satisfied people are there. And then we also very concretely ask about their satisfaction in different interactions with your manager, with colleagues, with a recruiter, with an onboarding app or whatever relevant touch points there are. And then over time, you can really gather a lot of data that, that helps you understand where problem spaces are so it's kind of a listening through tools yeah through get, yeah, by, by yeah. gathering data but that really helps you then understand where you might even need to dive deeper so and that's probably also one connection to the to the topic of your your podcast because in the end um gathering data is nice you have a dashboard and it looks great on the screen and it, it can extract something to powerpoint but that doesn't help yeah, you need way. actions. You know, that, that doesn't change anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and the action that needs to follow up afterwards is, you know, you need somebody who says, Oh, I'm responsible for this. Yeah. <laughs> I will take this on and I will. That's something we also did, for example, with new joiners at Siemens a couple of times is then to go into very concrete ideation or design thinking workshops and really work with them on, you know, Hey, what, 
what didn't go well, <laughs> what what would you, you know, how might we, um, how, how might we, we change this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in future, and then work on some prototypes, and then of course you need somebody in the organization who takes this on and really implements those those actions. But that's kind of the the idea of, of listening, and of course we also have what we call passive listening, if you want, I and mean, actively listening. You do a workshop, you do surveys, but then of course there's a lot of people data. I would say lying around, or that sounds sounds yeah. a, a little bit uh, in, incorrect. But uh, no, uh, process data in HR databases, whatever where we see things happening, people leaving, whatever. And the beauty of what we have built up as a team here is to um, be able also to have a technical platform in the background that brings all of this data together. So you can look at it from a holistic picture. You know, people who answered this in this survey this year, then they did this. Aha! And then we can learn something from it. So it's kind of an an holistic way of listening and then hopefully you know um so we we uh currently have a kind of a, a threefold approach to how we want to do this which we call win grow bond mm-hmm. so i try to better understand what it takes to win people but not only from the outside but also within and yeah. we have to win them over and over again yeah. what do we do what do they need what do they want uh, um to grow to develop and then in the end all of this kind of bonds them hopefully to the company that they that they stay that they don't leave and even if they leave hopefully stay ambassadors for the company and tell other people it's a great place to work yeah and might even come back so it's kind of the the whole idea of uh, and that's it's a never-ending journey yeah you know we've built up the infrastructure but we need to continuously listen in order to know what's happening yeah of course it's a never-ending journey because things are changing around i guess that you have recognized Maybe you have recognized some things that have changed until in the last past three years after the big C, for example. There is also this new generation, which are maybe working differently than people like uh, you and me in our age. And uh, we have to connect together. What what are the big things that you have realized that have changed in the last two, three years, maybe? expectations from people or from listening what what have you recognized that have changed maybe mm-hmm. i mean of course i cannot openly display any insights we get through our data yeah of course oh, <laughs> no no of course but, no generally but, but, but absolutely generally i think we noticed the same that many other companies happen things that have been starting to be in a certain way before the pandemic uh, i mean home office here or there and a little bit more flexibility so in, in a big company like siemens This was already possible before, but then the pandemic completely changed everything and accelerated it. And so basically the, and it's not just the younger generation, which, so my, my eldest daughter is 18 now and she will at some point in time start working. So she will have completely different expectations to working than I did when I started. Yeah. Um, but, uh, also for, you know, the more mature working workforce, <laughs> um, things have changed completely in a way that expectations are people, at least office workers. I mean, we also at Siemens, we need to really, uh, differentiate between office workers and not office workers because there are many people working in factories and so on. Then for them, home, home office is a little bit more difficult than, yeah. than yeah. for us, but it's kind of the, the, flexibility of working and uh, work-life integration is maybe a better term than balance because it's kind of all integrated. It's not just two things you need to balance. Um, it's something that is 
probably one of the most important aspects yeah. that, that people uh, don't only appreciate that they can do it, but really in the end demand. Yeah. And whether this is a four day week or it's whatever, I mean, that's, I think that's details, but in, in principle saying, okay, I am, and that's what changed also from, from a corporation's perspective to the pandemic that you suddenly, it was normal meetings like ours to see that people are people quote a uh, uh, famous band from the 80s um <coughs> it's um people are not just people who go to work and leave their private selves at home but you know uh, you have kids you have dogs you have to you know get up and pick someone up and do something the amazon guy is coming <laughs> ringing the bell all of this kind of became normal and the organization appreciates the fact at least that's what, what we try to do, and I think we're doing doing that um, pretty well, at least from the data that we see that people are appreciating this, is that, you know, we see that people are people and not human resources. So yeah. It's not, you know, somebody has to work for you, do their job, but it's more, and it makes things more complicated because you need to, you know, uh, you know um, juggle more more different aspects to, to, you know, a person's life and, and their working and time. But, um, it also makes people more, more satisfied because they can, you know, get, get their life better integrated between what they do at home and at work. So I think that's probably one of the major aspects with, which not only we, uh, we see. Yeah. And, um, Given your experience in designing workshops and your current role as head of people experience, do you believe that external workshop facilitators have a valuable role to play in organizations like Siemens? Do they bring something from the outside that cannot be maybe done the same from the inside? I, I, I think so. I mean... Before, uh, or it was actually in parallel to working at Siemens in a, in a different job when I did workshops and when I was where I called myself a corporate story architect. Just because oh, what is a corporate? It, did, it, didn't ex it didn't exist before, and I thought that would be a good idea to have something on on LinkedIn that people go like, "Oh, what's this?" Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard it before. Story coach, whatever. It just sounds like very common. So, I mean, the idea behind this was to, you know, that that you know, corporate communications or marketing. It's about big topics but it's also how do you build an architecture of content which goes from the big topic down to the actual stories of your people of your customers but also everyday people on the street who might and it's in the case of Siemens that happens uh, pretty often who profit from technology maybe without even knowing about it so there's a lot of aspects to the big topics which are very abstract which you drill down to to, uh, to the individual stories that help. So basically that was what I was trying to convey to other big and small corporations in workshops and keynotes and whatever. Just so, so I know what it's like to offer this from the outside to a, to an organization and the fact that they booked me back then and the fact why we are also working together with, with external workshop facilitators every now and again is because of this external perspective. So I think it's the fact that, I mean, in theory, probably we have many people who can do design thinking workshops, but sometimes you need an outside perspective, both from the, from the capabilities and the knowledge, but also from not being part of this. <laughs> yeah. And having, having this more objective perspective and maybe questioning more than, than you would if you're inside. Um, and then you maybe get to different 
different solutions. And um, at least in our our area, I mean, being a workshop designer uh, is not kind of the key, uh, uh, you know, part of the job description. Yeah. HR, of course, or in, in many areas. So it's it's always good to have somebody come from the outside. Say, okay, I'll take uh, also logistically, I'll take care of everything, you know, um, and then and, and send you a wrap up and whatever. But also facilitate this um, with people who um, who are maybe you know so stuck into in their silos or in their work that they need need some uh, opening up. So I think that's something where it makes makes a lot of sense to get the uh, external perspective and expertise in. Yeah, I think this is a a person who is neutral because she don't know all the all the things happening inside. So she's coming with a clear head and uh, can bring maybe some new methods or some new ways of uh, thinking. I just had a discussion yesterday with someone leading a company called Consulting Kits. And mm -hmm. they are reaching out to big corporates. They are from the Netherlands. And they make a first workshop to find out, okay, what kind of problem do the company want to solve? And then they bring these problems to a class of kids. Mm -hmm. And okay. the kids are giving their ideas to, to the problem. And then they are bringing back the ideas of the children to the companies. And um, the companies choose one or two solutions. What do you think about such projects? I think it's great. I mean, it, it brings some... Uh in a positive way, some naivety to yeah. the whole game because and oh, I never thought about it like this. Of course, in, in corporations as experienced workers, we're always going, nah, it's a good idea, but it won't work because da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? yeah. And that's, kids don't think in that way. So maybe they say, hey, I don't get it. Why is this a problem? Why don't we do it like this? And they go, oh. yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So um, uh, probably as a, in a an adult uh, workshop facilitator, you can't bring this naivety to the game, <laughs> but at least a little bit of it, or you can pretend to be more naive than you are. So that's always what I try to, I try to make myself even more stupid than I am <laughs> in a workshop, kind of saying, mm, I don't get this, whatever. So kind of really questioning a lot. And that's probably what kids would also, also do unconsciously. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a really good idea. And they probably also do a lot of this judgment for, for if they see such a challenge uh, from their own background from their own experiences and, and stories so it's kind of i think it's again the connection you know they they would they are maybe more less analytical less fact-driven but more you know gut-driven spontaneous uh, and, and spontaneous so i think that's it's a, it's a nice it's a nice idea and what i also always like to do at the beginning of such workshops way back in the days um because it was about stories and storytelling, so I didn't want to know what roles people had. Yeah. I am from company X, and my role is blah, and I've been doing this since then, and I studied blah. It's it's, it's nice, but it's kind of these, it's the historical yeah, roots, yeah? And so the, the crap work part is the most interesting, so I always ask them, you got 60 seconds, tell me which story led you here. <laughs> what happened in your life, kind of? What was the incident that kind of said, okay, I need to do this or whatever? And that's also something that where also in a professional workshop, you really, there's, for many people who do the, the job passionately, there's more driver and motivation than just needing to do the job, needing the money and because your boss tells you to do it. So it's so some, something inside you that drives you and that, okay, that's why I'm doing this job. And not this one. So it's kind of um, 
was always an interesting alternative for story people to think about uh, the story aspect of their own way to this workshop room. Yeah, why do, why am I actually why am I actually here? Yeah. yeah. So that was the, that's a, that was a nice intro back then. Yeah. Is it would it be also a nice intro for a job interview? <laughs> that you ask your candidate what story uh, leads you to us? Maybe they it are looking. Be. Yeah, it could be. Uh, it probably. I mean, I don't know. Depending how experienced you are in interviews, you might <laughs> always feel inclined to tell the official story, which sounds great <laughs> yeah. uh, in an interview because you don't want to seem weak or whatever. But I think, uh, if, again, in terms of listening, if somebody or if a company or a recruiter is really interested in finding the right fit and not only the person with the right hard skills but also soft skills but you know why they're called soft skills but you know you know what i mean yeah um so and that, that could be an interesting way to to look at this thing you know what uh, before without being what you want to be in, in this job who are you and what brought you here and um then i guess you would probably need to make them tell them you know what don't tell me your career path so far tell me something about you tell me your personal story and then people might loosen up and then so it, it could be a good opener, but I'm not sure if it would always work. Yeah, yeah. I have a last question. What kind of facilitators and, and person uh, would be a good fit to work with you and your team, for example? I believe, without saying that we're looking for anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> generally, would, because yeah. uh, they're all asking themselves, okay, what do I have to do to yeah. to work with corporates, for example? I mean, it's it's with, like with probably many, many different offerings be for workshops or whatever other stuff you always need to find some kind of niche where you know not everybody else is offering this as well because if anybody else is offering that then probably the big shots will, will have a, an easier entry into companies because they might already have a contract somewhere else and then it's easy to get them in so it needs to be something that is probably a little bit different um and that and then again listening from a from a facilitator's perspective also important and to you know say okay try and understand and get in contact somehow with the company you know what is actually what is driving them what is what is their concern at the moment and not basically uh, and i must say since um, it's interesting when you when you change your job titles in linkedin yeah and you have a certain buzzword connected with a name like Siemens, it's like zoom, the flies are on it. <laughs> um, and 99% of stuff that reaches me, I, I, well, 90% I ignore, 9% I'm angry about, and 1% might spark my interest. And that's more when it, it doesn't sound like a one fits all, you know, um, acquisition thing, you know, blah, 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 blah. it's kind of a sales pitch where you know it, whatever. Hundred yeah. other people's also get this, so it needs to be more individual. And in the terms of, uh, I mean, it, I know that's anyway not the best channel for sales, I would say. But um, I think the, the 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 niche and in my specific environment, I think this this aspect of um, you know facilitating follow up workshops on data is something yeah. that, that uh, of course we're trying to do. Uh, ourselves, even if we can do it, it's sometimes we don't have enough resources, people, and time to do it because it's not part, main part of our jobs. So it's often very also like you know what it makes life easier for us to move to the next step quicker. Um, so um, yeah, maybe it's, 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 it's 
it's it's the niche and I guess the whole design thinking uh, methodology is really also has gained um, traction also within the cooperation of that theme in the past years. Thank you so much. It's good to have the insight from a corporate and insight from someone who has been leading workshops. Just one thing, uh, we are close to Christmas. Will you have the time to take your guitars and write new songs at the end of the year? I <laughs> certainly hope so. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, Now it has been more the time, also my free time next to uh, the seniors' job and the family job to go on stage as often as I can and perform and, you know, uh, to one or two or more people who are there and just, you know, see how songs resonate and just have fun. Um, but that doesn't leave you too much time to be creative yeah. and to write. So I think that's also something that, um, It's very crucial. How do I make time for creativity? How do I organize this in an everyday packed life? Especially before Christmas, it's always tough. Yeah. But maybe in those days between, it's a little bit more contemplative. And uh, I hope that I can put pen to paper then and uh, have some some new material for next year and maybe publish something new. And then we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see what comes. Can 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 we make a link to your music in the show oh, notes? If you want, uh, you can absolutely. I can send <laughs> that to you, <laughs> and then people can see that uh, also uh, people experience has another life and uh, different hats on when time permits. So yeah, and if somebody likes the music, I'm happy. Thank you very much, Tobias, and have a nice Christmas time with your family. Thank you very much for the invitation. I really enjoyed the last half hour. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode, this last episode of the year. And if you want to reach out to Tobias Denehy or listen to his music, please find all the contact information in the show notes. And now all I have to do is wish you a very happy festive season for those of you who celebrate Christmas and a very happy transition to the new year 2024. Take the time with your families and friends, the time to breathe and rest. And I'm already looking forward to see you again for a new year with There's a Workshop for that. Until then, I wish you good health and just plain happiness. Au revoir.